like to get ahead, I will let you know the first passage we're going to be in today is Matthew chapter 16. So you're more than welcome to open up there. That is the first passage we're going to read today. Matthew chapter 16, more specifically verses 13 through 20. Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 20. But to start off, though, I have a question. It's a question I'm pretty sure I know the answer to, so it's more, I'm trying to be, it's more funny than anything when I ask this. I assume all of us have experienced heartbreak, disappointment, and rejection in some sort of capacity, right? Is that, is that a fair question, fair assessment, right? And it was one of those, as, as I was preparing this, I was thinking about all those times I've, you know, I've experienced in my own life and, and other individuals, right? We have uh, sports teams losing, right? There's different grades, right? Like not all forms of disappointment or rejection are equal, right? Like the Jaguars losing to the Chiefs are in the playoffs are not equal to someone losing their job. They're just not, right? No matter what anyone says. Very two different topics, right? Same with uh, a breakup or getting rejected or getting a, bra a bad grade in school. All different forms of rejection or, or disappointment, but different feelings, right? Or for example, a, if an if a employer of yours says something to you to critique you or say something you don't like, that's going to hit you a lot differently than someone you love dearly. Right. Tim Keller, uh, for those who don't know, was a well-known pastor based out of New York City. He recently just passed away. So was kind of a, there was a kind of a motivating factor in quoting him. Uh, but he has a quote here, and I think it's really good. It's, he says this, To be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything. It liberates us from pretense. It humbles us out of our self-righteousness. And it fortifies us for any difficulty life can throw at us. And so that's what I was thinking about, right? There is a difference between when someone loves you deeply, says something to you, or an employer, right? Our greatest fear is being known, but being fully known, but then the person saying, ah, you don't make the cut, right? But the love of Jesus says this, and this is what Tim Keller was getting at. I fully know you. I know you better than you know yourself. I know the good and the bad. I know the ugly, the horrific, and yet you are fully loved. I know you, what you struggle with. I know your questions. I know everything, but yet you are fully loved loved, fully known, and yet fully loved. And so the main idea of today's message is this, you are fully known and fully loved by Jesus, but this love should drive us to submit fully to him. This isn't a love that's abstract, right? It does something, and what it should do is drive us to submit fully to him. And so for us to see that in scripture today, we're going to be examining two individuals, Jesus and Peter. So, as, like I said earlier, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 16 to begin with. So I assume all of you are already there. Matthew chapter 16. One Bible scholar sums up the character of Peter by saying this. Peter's interactions with Jesus and the disciples reflect a leader who is impulsive, ambitious, self-assertive, and quick to commit without fully understanding the meaning of Jesus' words or actions. 
I don't know about you, but that's pretty relatable. Impulsive, self-assertive, and talks without knowing. Maybe I'm the only one guilty of that. Matthew chapter 16. We're going to be in verses 13 through 20. And the word says this. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, verse 15, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth you shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth shall be loosened in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. So we see Peter hits it out the park, right? Jesus simply asks, who do you say that I am? Everyone gets it wrong except Peter. He says, you are the son of the living God. A plus, check mark. He, like I said, knocked it out the park. Son of the living God, though. I do want to address that. What do we mean by that? Because through my engagements with people, I hear people say, oh, that just means uh, Jesus was like the son of like God. Well, it's like, yes, but no. There's a deeper meaning behind the son of the living God. And so what essentially what is being said is when they say son of the living God, it's just simply saying being of the same nature of God, right? Just as we are all sons and daughters of, of a father, right? We bear the genes of the DNA of that father, Right? So when we say, Son of the living God, Jesus bears the DNA of God of the universe. Right? If you bear the DNA of God, you are God. Right? And so that's what they're saying when they say, Son of the living God. And we also know this to be true because in Matthew chapter 26, right, where Jesus appears in front of all the high priests, and again, they ask him the same question, Who do you say that you are? He says, I'm Son of the living God. And they yell, Blasphemy, they rip their shirts, right? Because they know as soon as they hear someone make that comment, they're saying that you're God. Right? So Peter looks at Jesus and says, oh, you're God. Like, you're the one who spoke life into existence. You are God in the flesh, God incarnate. And Jesus says, good. I'm going to use you now. So, again, Peter hits it out of the park. He's on what we would probably call spiritual high. Right? One of my favorite places, uh, you may, I don't know if you find this funny, but one of my favorite places is the gym. Right, for many of reasons. Right, it gives me something to do, helps my mind kind of escape. Michael's giving me a thumbs down, calls me lame. Uh, right, but just it's a mental thing, you gotta get away. Right, but one of my favorite things about it is I will walk away very humbled very quickly. Right, and those who have played sports know exactly what I'm talking about. I'll go in there, I'll do my thing, I'm feeling great. I'll look to my left and I'll see a guy, I'm like, oh, I thought I was really strong, and then that guy has six plates on each side, right? It's like, or like, again, a sport, right? You have a great training session, you hit it out the park, you hit your, your time standards or intervals or whatever your goal is, you come back the next day and you're like, oh, I couldn't even do half of what I just did last week, right? Walk away really humbled. And so this is exactly what we're going to see with Peter. He lives a life that's, again, like all of us, a lot of ups and downs. 
a lot of ups and downs. So Peter is about to be humbled really quick. And what's even better is that he literally gets humbled like, like 10 verses later. So join me in Matthew chapter 17, verse 21 through 23. Again, Peter just looked at Jesus and said, you're God who spoke the world into existence, right? And this is what Peter does right after that. And again, Matthew chapter 17, verses 21 through 23, the word says this. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. So pause. Again, Jesus, or Peter just looked at Jesus and said, You're God incarnate. And then literally a couple verses later, he looks at him and tries to rebuke him. Do we not see the hypocrisy of that, the craziness of that? He literally takes God incarnate off to the side from everyone and says, Hey, hey, you're not allowed to talk like that. Don't say those things. I mean, do we not see the craziness of that? That's absurd. That makes no sense. And then, but then Jesus looks at him and says, But he turned and said to Peter, Get up behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. All I say is you've messed up big time, I've messed up big time, but I've never been called Satan by Jesus, right? I mean, that's a pretty, that's a strong thing to say, right? I mean, just, again, ups and downs with Peter, right? Hits it out the park, then looks at the God of the universe and says, tries to correct him. Don't say those things. You can't talk like that. And then he gets called Satan. But again, it gets even worse. Listen, this is what's even better about Peter. Uh, join me in verse 17, the Mount of Transfiguration. We're going to read verses 1 through 5. Again, just a couple verses down, and it says this. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. So Jesus just appeared in front of Peter with all of his glory, right? And the first thing he says is, Lord, it's good that we're here. Does that, do you not, that, that makes no sense. Again, the God of the universe shown in all his glory, and Peter's first reaction is to say, Lord, it's good that we're here. He doesn't humble himself in humility. He doesn't fall in worship. He looks at himself and says, hey, it's good, it's good I'm here. It's good we're here. And actually in Luke chapter 9, where it's the same account of this, the Luke actually says, after he says, Lord, it is good that we're here, he says, not knowing what he said. He, he was talking, he didn't even, he had his foot in his mouth. He had no idea what he was talking about. And then he looks at Moses and Elijah and he says, hey, let's, I want to make a tent for you guys. They just appeared from heaven. I don't think they need a tent, right? Again, he's talking, he's being impulsive. He's talking without knowing. He has no idea what he's talking about. But it, it's even funnier. In verse 5, it's, he says, He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And look at this, it says, listen to him. 
talking with his foot out of his mouth, and then while he's still talking, God the Father comes on the screen and says, hey, this is who I'm well pleased, this is my son, now just listen to him. Now the question I have, was Peter doing a very good job at that already? Right? Again, ups and downs with Peter. But what makes all of this even more beautiful is this, is that Jesus is fully aware of who Peter is. Right? When, when Jesus looks at Peter and says, I'm going to use you in advancing and establishing my church, Jesus knows exactly who's he, who he is looking at and talking to. He knows when Peter's going to mess up already before he does that. Right? This is why we read Psalm 139. He knows what's on your mind. He knows where you're going to get up, where you're going to lay down before you even do it. So again, Jesus is fully aware of Peter's, Peter's shortcomings, but yet he still chooses to use him. Peter is fully known but yet fully loved by Jesus. But again, what makes it even better, or more comforting in some ways, is that it gets worse, right? It gets worse. One of the things that we all know Peter for are what? The three things, the three denials, right? So join with me in John chapter 17. John chapter 17. Actually, I'm sorry, John 18, I misspoke. Again, the, the, the events and how they correlate and, and happen are just so interesting. Because right, and, and right before Peter denies Jesus, what is one of the things he does? He gets a sword, defends him, and cuts someone's ear off. Right? A great defender of Jesus, he's going to bat, putting his wrist for him, putting his life down for him. But then we know, shortly after that, he denies him three times. So join me in John chapter 18, verse 15. And the word says this. Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Since the, that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood on the outside at the door. So the other, other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in, right? So there's a courtyard, one disciple goes in, he comes back for Peter, and he's about to bring him in, right? But there's a servant girl standing at the door. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, you are also not one of this man's disciples, are you? Peter replied, I am not. Now this is an important detail. Now the servants and officers had a ch made a charcoal fire because it was cold, and they were standing and warming themselves. But Peter also was with them, standing and warming himself. Now jump down to verse 25. So again, we see this courtyard. Peter walks in, right? The servant girl says, aren't you a follower of Jesus? He says, no, I'm not, right? And now he's standing in front of this fire with a whole bunch of people around him. Verse 25. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. So they said to him, you are also not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it, and at once a rooster crowed. 
So we see again, he cuts off his ear, right? He looks at Jesus and says, hey, you're the son of the living God. You're God incarnate, right? After that, verses later, he rebukes him. Then after that, he ignores him in all his glory, doesn't worship him. He just kind of speaks out of turn, right? And then he's about to cut off his ear, defend Jesus. And then literally an hour later, a couple minutes later, he denies him three times. And one of them was to a little girl, right? I mean, like, I mean, she was, what, 10, a servant girl? Like, what is she going to do? She's not going to do anything. But he was so scared, so afraid, right, of what may become of him, he denied him. But again, one thing, despite Peter's ups and downs in life, one thing remained, and that was Jesus and him being fully known and fully loved. So I said the important detail for us to remember is that charcoal fire scene. That's an important detail. And so go ahead and flip your page, a couple pages. We're going to join me in John chapter 21. This is our last passage for this morning. So we see Jesus has... He, he died. He is now resurrected. He is back on the scene, right? All the disciples are out to sea getting fish for breakfast. And then Jesus, they see a figure out at the beachhead, and they see, oh, this, oh, Je- oh that's Jesus. And so they, we'll see Peter. He jumps out of the boat, and he starts running back to shore to see him. And so that's the scene. So join me in verse 9. When they got out on land... They saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Now jump with me in verse 15, to verse 15. And then when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, feed my lambs. That's one. Verse 16, he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend to my sheep. That's two. Verse 17, he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. So I said the charcoal fire detail was really important, right? We see in front of a charcoal fire, right? Peter denies Jesus three times. We see, despite his denial of him, Jesus redeems him. And the same scene in front of a charcoal fire. He asked him, how many times do you love me? Three times. So we see that, again, despite Peter's ups and downs, despite his three denials, Jesus fully redeems him and shows him grace and mercy and full forgiveness and fully loves despite his denial of him. Again, in front of a charcoal fire scene, he denies him three times. He asks him if you love me three times in front of a charcoal, fire charcoal scene. So again, I say again, despite Peter's ups and downs, one thing remained, and that was Jesus. Intimacy with Christ begins with recognizing with who he is. Through your unfaithfulness, through my unfaithfulness, he remains faithful. And just like Peter was fully known and fully loved, so are we fully loved, fully known and fully loved. 
And so as we get ready to wrap it up this morning, I pray that you would just meditate and think about that. That every dark nook and cranny thing you have in your life, every secret, everything you struggle with that others do not know, that Jesus knows, right? But yet you are fully loved despite that. Again, what's even more beautiful is that how does Jesus use Peter? There's one sermon in the book of Acts, I think it's Acts chapter 3, where Peter gives one sermon and 3,000 people come to Jesus, right? Recently, my family and I went out to Rome, and we, we, uh, of course, we went to the Vatican City, and I was able to see right where they say Peter was crucified upside down. Crucified for the very man he denied three times. Crucified for the very man that redeemed him. Crucified for the very man that, was know, that knew him better than anyone else, but loved him more than anyone else. Fully known and yet fully loved. Would you join me in prayer?